Today's guest is the founder and CEO of AntFlow. They are ensuring everyone has access to quality necessities. From menstrual products to masks, AntFlow is here for you. They're just people helping people. Period. Join Rami in welcoming her to the show. If you have any questions for our guest today, please leave them in the comments section below. Also, if you'd like to get more data on any of our guests, please download the Taking You to the Top app from our website. That being said, we hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to another episode of Taking You to the Top. In this podcast, Rami spends time speaking with founders and CEOs from across the globe and asks them specific questions to learn exactly how they built and launched their businesses. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn. Are you ready to take it to the top? Okay, Claire, thank you for joining me today. It's episode 26 of Taking You to the Top. All right, woohoo! <laughs> Thanks for coming. So, uh, to get us started, uh, if you could please introduce yourself, maybe take us back from the beginning, tell us where you're from and how your journey started to you founding your company. Yeah, definitely. Well, Rami, I. Uh... I'm so excited to be here. My name is Claire Coder. Um, Coder, like the internet coder. <laughs> um, but I don't run any software company, all hardware people. Um, all right. And I uh, am born and raised Toledo, Ohio. Um, and now our company is based in Columbus, Ohio. But I've always loved the concept of creating something that makes other people smile. Um, and frankly, it's a lot easier to sell things that make people smile than selling things that don't make people smile. So um, even from an early age in like elementary school, I had the lemonade stands, but I sold beer, uh, uh -huh. which made people smile. In high school, I made buttons and I put funny phrases on them, which made people smile. Um, and so even from an early age, I really just loved schlopping things and uh, making people smile. Um, and that obviously led to founding what is now known as Aunt Flow. Okay. So could you uh, maybe tell us what the company does, what you're trying to achieve, or what's your main goal with Aunt Flow? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I started the company after getting my period in public okay. without the supplies I needed. Um, and uh -huh. I was actually at an event um, called Startup Weekend. And okay. um, it yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I got my period. It was in the bathroom. I was searching for a quarter because the current system is a coin-operated tampon and pad dispenser. And so nobody ever carries around coins. I didn't have a coin at the time. Um, and because of this, I was doing like most. I rolled up toilet paper, pulled up my pants, moved on with my day. But I realized in that moment that if toilet paper is offered in bathrooms, tampons and pads should be as well. And they all respond to natural bodily functions. So right. um, what we did is uh, I ended up dropping out of college, starting this company. Um, that was almost five years ago now. And since we've designed a tampon and pad dispenser that takes uh -huh. the place of those old ones that were developed in the 60s 
And what's unique about Art Dispenser is it's a free vend. So um, you don't have to put a coin in, none of that. Um, and it's also uniquely designed to fit our 100% organic cotton tampons and pads. So that's really what we do. And we're on a mission to uh, what we like to say, change the world one cycle at a time. <laughs> I noticed you use quite a lot of these uh, in your wording. Uh, I think I saw people helping people, period. Yes, yes. Uh, we, got a, we got a lot of little phrases. So you said it was free? Um, yes. So the business model is we sell the tampon and pad dispensers and products to the companies and schools okay. and um, public buildings. And then they offer the products for free in the bathroom. So it's exactly like toilet paper. The companies sure. purchase toilet paper and then it's free to the people that are uh, in the bathroom. Right. Okay. And... Um, did you raise capital to start the company or is it bootstrap? Yeah, bootstrap for a while. Uh, you know, Rami, I never knew uh, what VC was. I, I mean, I'm a girl from Ohio. People were like, raise money from friends and family. And I'm like, friends and family who? Like what? Uh, <laughs> so I uh, uh, raised a crowdfunding campaign early on, used that to purchase inventory. Um, and then at the end of 2018, that's when we were admitted into the Techstars New York City program. And that's where I learned about the concept of people giving pe other people money just for an idea. And I'm like, oh, man, if all of those other people can get money for an idea, I can do that, too. Uh, for sure. <laughs> um, so raised um, a seed round of $1.5 million. Um, and to date, we've raised $2.7 million um, from Harlem Capital, Precursor Ventures, Breaktrail Ventures. And a variety of other strategic angel investors. So you said 1.5 seed, and the remaining, or the total is 2. Point. Uh, 2.7. So um, the last 1.3 was a seed plus that we raised at the beginning of 2020. Okay, um, but actually, if you don't mind, can I go back to the bootstrap part? Totally. So, where did you do your crowdfunding? Kickstarter yeah. or Indiegogo? So I, um, back in the day, there was this company called CrowdRise. Um, Crowd and Rise, since yeah, the but... company has been acquired by GoFundMe, they're based in Detroit, Michigan. Um, and uh -huh. I, I launched it on CrowdRise. Um, and I did that for a variety of reasons. I'm sure folks have heard of the horror stories of those other crowdfunding platforms where they take a uh -huh. lot of money, you send all of the traffic to that website. It's not the sure. best experience nowadays. So at the time, CrowdRise really made sense for me. Okay, and do you mind me asking how much you raised on CrowdRise? Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to raise $15,000. We raised $25,000. Um, and that was a lot of money for me uh, for sure, when I was yeah. 19 years old starting my company. Exactly. Okay, um, and if we go back to the raised capital or VC capital, um, was it debt or was it a convertible note or um, equity? Yeah, yeah. So when we when we raised, uh, it was um, at the time we had some trickiness on our cap table. We ended up raising uh, a at a price round. So. Uh, that was how we raised none of the none of the wacky like convertible note uh safe note uh just okay. good old-fashioned price round okay perfect um and do you think 
I mean, I'm not sure what growth looks like, but do you expect that you would uh, raise again? Do you have any plans to raise again? Um, you know, we aren't planning any more past three months. It seems like it's uh, kind of ridiculous to plan for anything outside of three months in today's times. Uh, right. But I can say we're really grateful to be in a fantastic position, um, given some of our strong pivots in February, to be able to support um, continued growth of not just our OntFlow brand, but also our Workflow brand. Um, and oh, so okay. as a company, Flow Enterprises, we now have two divisions, um, OntFlow, which we had discussed as it pertained to the tampon and pad dispenser, and then uh -huh. Workflow, which is all of our basic necessities that a facilities manager may need, which now include masks and disinfectant sure. wipes and surface disinfectant. Um, so we've been able to roll out those products pretty successfully over the past six months. Um, and now okay. we support all of Veterans Affairs in the state of Michigan and Dominion Energy, Google, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. So wow. um, that has been the growth of our company. Amazing. And do you plan on, uh, I mean, it's um, assuming it's in the U.S. at the moment, selling within the U.S. Um, yes, we sell in North America. So all of the United States as well as Canada and a little bit of Mexico. Any plans to go international? Uh, nothing's off the table. <laughs> I mean, I, I know a lot of countries now are requiring a lot of what you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. So it, I don't think it would be too difficult. <laughs> Last <laughs> words of, of, uh, of uh, a founder, right? Yeah, it won't exactly. be too difficult. Um, I will say, you know, um, there it seems to be everybody and their mother is making PPE now. And what's exactly, really yeah. important to remember when, when we got into the game in February, um, we knew a lot about medical devices. We manufacture tampons, which are class two medical devices and pads, which are FDA approved products. So we're incredibly familiar with the industry and the scrutiny of making sure that you're creating reliable and quality products. Um, and with that, we always want to make sure that we're going in with all of the certifications and all of the confidence that we are creating a product that makes sense for that specific region. Um, sure. So for example, selling to Canada, not just the United States, you have to have Health Canada certifications. And so um, uh, okay. all of like when you think about just like going into another country, it's not just exporting and shipping. It's, do you have the certifications? Are you, are you meeting the regulations for that region? Um, exactly. And so when I think, um, you know, the famous last words of every entrepreneur is like, ah, oh, it'll be easy. Uh, and so I'm incredibly thankful that I, I am like the visionary of the company and I'm like, all right, today we're going to do this. And I have an incredible team behind me that says, all right, Claire, but we need to think about these 300 bajillion things before exactly. we execute on that idea. So um, that's, uh, that's how I think about uh, the continued strategic growth of our company. Okay. Uh, well, talking about team, what does your company's team size look like today? Uh, yes, we are a mighty team of seven based right here in Columbus, Ohio. Perfect. You're keeping it nice and small. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's really interesting um, how team has become this indicator of success. Um, right. You know, people ask like, oh, if you have 100 employees, you clearly must be successful. Um, for me, what success looks like from a personal note is finding happiness and being able to maintain it. And from a business sure. perspective, it's 
finding the right people and being able to maintain cash flow I, and being I able absolutely. to maintain profitability. Um, and so um, I, that's what we're constantly focused on is making sure that whatever we do is sustainable, um, both internally and for the environment. Sure. I mean, I completely agree with that. Uh, you can, it amazes me what a, a small team can do. I mean, just even four people can do what an army in another company might be doing. So, right. I mean, I'm familiar with that and it makes sense, sort of. Yep. Um, this next section is more for the entrepreneurs who are listening, those who are thinking of getting started or may have just started a company. Um, if you were to launch a company today, how would you get your first customers? Mm -hmm. I know it's quite broad, but just more from an action, like steps that an entrepreneur would take to get his first customers, his or her first customers. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in this environment, Rami, especially in the CPG industry, I yeah. consistently hear folks saying, well, oh, we'll just, um, you know, hire an agency and do these ads and we'll plan this whole marketing campaign. Um, sure. but how I have always positioned our company is really mm -hmm. creating intimate relationships with our first 50 to 100 customers. And so right. when I talk about finding your first customers, what that means is getting on the fucking phone. Like, I don't know why people are hiding behind their computer screens so much these days. Like the only way you're able to really understand your customer is not an NPS survey. Nobody, right. like, that is not the way to understand your customers. The way to understand your customers is build an intimate relationship with them. And I always share this story. One of our, um, one of our customers is Zappos. Um, we stock all of Zappos bathrooms with Flow products. And we've built such, I built such a strong relationship with the buyer there that I went to Passover Seder with them. Um, and so I like to say like, the best way to find your customers is to go to Seder with them. Like you're, you don't have the intimate relationship until you're going to a, to go into a random holiday with the, uh, with the customer's family. <laughs> sure. I mean, when you did contact your first customers, how did you, I mean, how did you target them and, well, you're saying get on the phone with them. Did you go like on LinkedIn one by one and find, you know, who might need your products? I know now I'm, I'm generalizing, uh, but did you use a specific marketing channel or do you mm. advise a specific channel? Um, so we're in the B2B space. Like we've always sold right. to other enterprises. And so um, for us, you know, we only needed five, five to 20 customers to be a multi-million dollar company. Um, yeah. And so um, I think it's important to remember the difference between the size of comp like the size of customer that you need to be, to get to the revenue goals that you want to achieve. So for us, um, we had a pretty small group to be able to achieve initial, initial traction. Um, right. So we hyper-focused on that. I think it's really easy to get caught up in the fluff and see all of these opportunities and then not know where to start. Um, but for right. me, um, I had some really remarkable coaching from a sales coach. His name is Josh Braun. Um, mm -hmm. And he really just breaks it down. He's like, look, find five companies. That's it. Five companies. Um, and start reaching out to different people at that company. Become in, like, intimately 
aware of that company. Set Google alerts on what's going on in that company for the division that you're selling into so that you know what you're uh, what the purchasing department is thinking about so that you know what's going on. Um, exactly. And then from there, um, obviously just developing fantastic relationships. Um, like I mentioned, I want to sell things that make people smile. And so I never really think about it as sales. I think about it as spreading happiness. And our sales team is actually called our happiness team. We have our director of happiness, our senior director of happiness, because at the end of the day, um, it's so much more fun to have conversations when people want to have conversations with you. And you know why people right. don't want to have conversations with salespeople? Because they're not making you smile. Exactly. Um, and so that's, uh, that's how we think about our sales at our company. Perfect. Well, um, if you don't mind, we can wrap up with the famous five. Okay, let's do it. All right. Number one, what's your favorite business book? <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so I don't read. I know that like founders aren't supposed to say that, but I definitely don't read. Um, I listen to podcasts. I'm dyslexic, so reading isn't really my jam. Um, but my right. favorite podcast is Robin Hood Snacks Daily. I listen every single morning right before I head to the office. Robin Hood Snacks Daily. Yep. Okay. Got it. Um, number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? I... So I, um, I wouldn't say that I'm following Oprah Winfrey, but I think it kind of means that I'm following her, but I do go by her advice, which says, stop focusing on how other people operate and just focus on how you can be the best operator. Um, so I often find when I was first starting the company, trying to emulate other people's strategies and tactics and be like somebody else. But then that right. just meant that I was a really horrible copy of everyone. And mm -hmm. instead, now I really just try to be the most excellent version of myself. Um, so am I following Oprah for that? Maybe, but I'm really just taking her advice to operate and become the best, uh, best Claire Coder CEO that I can be. Sure, that works. Um, number three, what's your favorite online tool for growing your business? Uh, man, the telephone, like, smile well, and dial <laughs> do you have an online tool though uh i mean email <laughs> i'm a relationship builder i mean i i constantly tell my team like don't try to hide behind the tools tools are really awesome um but the most important tool for growing a business is yourself and so i really try to sure. be authentic uh authentic and um, presenting myself consistently um, through email and phone and I mean LinkedIn's pretty awesome as well okay um, number four if you could give your 20 year old self a piece of advice what would it be yeah it's super ironic because I'm 23 uh, and so I uh, three years ago I guess I wish I would have known um, uh -huh. that nobody really has any idea what the hell is going on um, okay. But there's a different level of confidence. And I think it's the, like my new definition, my upgraded definition of confidence. I, I used to believe that confidence was having, like knowing what was going on in the future. But now right. my definition for confidence is feeling comfortable with ambiguity and getting buy-in to drive towards one direction. Okay. Got it. Um, and number five, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I get a solid seven to nine every single night. Proud of that. Amazing.
Well, I think you're the first nine hour guest on the show. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, um, yeah, those are, those happen rare. It's definitely a range. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Claire, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure and hopefully a, from a year from now, I can maybe catch up to see where Aunt Flo or Flo Industries has grown. Amazing. All right. Well, Rami, great chatting. We'll talk soon. Sure. Thank you so much. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for watching today's episode. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on any of the available podcast platforms so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. If you have an extra minute, leaving a review would help us grow.